0: My pleasure. This, this sound okay? If you can hear me. Oh, perfect. So um, I brought I brought a presentation, and I decided not to do it. I've heard an awful lot of chatter in the hallways and in sessions about podcasting, and so I thought I'd do something a little bit different. Uh, if you've ever seen an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything uh, because all of you have got your own individual questions and your own individual uh, concerns or anything about podcasting and. I thought maybe since there are not a tremendous number of us, we could do something a little more interactive. Uh, The only thing I will say by way of introduction is I'll just give you a little bit of my background only so you know what I can pull from to answer your questions. Uh, So at Edison, I've been the principal analyst studying podcasting since podcasting's inception. We started covering it in 2006, back when the percentage of people listening to a podcast was a rounding error, as we might say, in my business. Um, and we've been covering it continuously since 2006, and we've gradually expanded our podcast research. And over that time, besides covering it from a general audience perspective, we've also picked up quite a number of clients uh, for private custom research in the space. So among the clients that we do podcast research for are NPR. You've probably heard a number of NPR podcasts. We do podcast research for WBEZ, which uh, which runs This American Life, and Serial, which Serial was, you know, many claim was at least partially responsible for the boom in podcasts. Uh, we work for WNYC, which has Radio Lab. I've done specific work on Radio Lab and other podcasts, uh, and also in the more sort of commercial space, Podcast One, which is making the most money in the space in the world right now, without a doubt, and CBS and some others. So I've got a uh, fairly deep background, specifically on, especially the business side of things, and also the audience side. Of things. And finally, I have a successful podcast of my own. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary. We do about 20,000 downloads per episode. It's uh, a show called The Marketing Companion I do with a, a social media guru and good friend named Mark Schaefer. Uh, and we've done that. Uh, we just had our third anniversary show last week, so I'm, I'm in the thick of it as well, besides just covering it as in, uh, from an analyst. So it's a it's a space I love. It's a space I enjoy. I have some strong opinions about where it's going to go, I think, uh, and I'm happy to, to share some of those with you. But in the spirit of the Reddit Ask Me Anything, uh, what are some of the questions and the concerns that you have come with? And let's let's start a dialogue and let's see where we can go, because I think all of you have yeah yeah, sure, do, do we have a mic, do we need a mic, do we want a mic, do mics exist? Um, okay, just the first quick question. Um, have you noticed uh, like a
1: relationship between the length of a podcast and um, its success? So what mean, is, is a longer podcast more successful, shorter podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: I, have, uh, I have a s- vaguely unsatisfying answer to this, but I think those of you in this room especially will appreciate it. It's a question I get asked a lot. Um, the correct answer is It is the right length for the show. However, people ask me all the time, well, I do a show that's two hours long, or I do a show that's ten minutes long, and I guess the the politically correct answer here is the show should be as long as it needs to be to cover the content that you want to cover. But I will say this. Most people, and I mean the overwhelming majority of people in the podcast space, are not talented enough to pull off a two-hour show. They're simply not. It's not about length of time, it's how long can you really put on a compelling, engaging entertainment. Uh, We keep our show to a half an hour. I don't treat that as a rule. I listen to longer shows, I listen to shorter shows. And anytime at a podcast conference someone asks that question, it's always answered by somebody with, as long as it needs to be. I listen to podcasts that are hours and hours. Most people aren't good enough to pull off a podcast that long. And so I think you have to have an honest assessment about the quality of the show that you're putting on. Otherwise, shorter is better, but I I will say also it depends on the context and the environment where you imagine your show to be consumed. So if you're doing a podcast that is uh, for people to listen to at the gym, then it probably shouldn't be more than half an hour or an hour, because otherwise people will have to stop it halfway. I know I I don't run more than 30 minutes when I'm at the gym. Um, but, so you have also have to consider: Is this a podcast that requires an unbroken long period of time to, or can it be you know, revisited? So that, That's my vaguely unsatisfying answer. So, go ahead.
2: We've been approached by a couple of advertisers uh, to attach their brand to our podcast, and we and we said no for specific reasons, and we we don't want to sell out, man, because. Yeah, um, but the the way um, in which we're going is we're going to need to find a way to monetize our, our, our podcasts. In your research, um, is that a negative? Does that influence the the, the number of downloads? Um, does advertising or, or, or having a sponsor at the beginning of the the, the podcast does that begin to, to infringe on on, on the, the the listeners sort of pleasure factor?
0: I'm gonna give you a really long winded answer to this. It's going to get there. Um, Podcasting is very different from broadcasting in one fundamental respect. When you are are broadcasting, it is a shared experience, right? Everything that you're doing is coming out of a speaker, and multiple people typically are listening to it. A podcast is generally consumed within the earbuds, and it's an intimate environment. It's a much different environment to the broadcast environment. And I think if you simply take your broadcast content and pop it on a podcast, you're not quite getting there. You're not quite getting there. You're not having that intimate conversation with one person at a time, which is what I think the most successful podcasts do. Now, I work with podcasts that do post-read advertisements. I work with podcasts in the public radio space that do just a quick endorsement. Uh, not even an endorsement, a quick just underwriting message. Uh, and I, I work with some podcasts that actually drop in pre-recorded audio stuff. Most uh, the most successful from a commercial standpoint are the host red live, they're not really live, but they're the host red spots. And so if you are going to do that, then they have to be brands and products that are fundamentally not uh, out of context with the host of the show. If they are, you'll hear it. If they are, if they sound different, if they're products that you could not believe the host of the show would actually use ever, uh, you will hear it from your audience. And they—and again, it's a more intimate relationship. But I don't think if you're doing uh, a podcast on culture, if you drop in a, you know, a, a screaming auto-commercial, that's not going to work. Uh, because that, and I, I say that because it doesn't work anywhere. And you have a much better opportunity with a podcast to develop that intimate relationship. The research that we have done for brands shows that not only are host red spots uh, better received, there's an enormous halo effect for brands that uh, are associated with podcasts. Right? I mean, most podcasts, again, you have a real relationship with the host or hosts of that show. And when the host or hosts of that show go out on a limb and say, you know, I really, I, I love this product, I use it all the time, or I love this service, that, that punches well above its weight compared to a broadcaster. So you do well not to violate that. So that's a long-winded say way of saying that if you do it right, it's not going to affect your down. If you do it wrong, it could. Yeah.
2: On the flip side of that coin, uh, is there is there a way that we can use our advertisers to punt our, our our podcasts? If, 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 say, a cellular communications company comes to us and says, we'll endorse your, we'll sponsor your, your, your podcast for a specific period, um, what 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 is the the industry norm in terms of telling them to then find our uh, to almost have a symbiotic relationship?
0: Uh, to be realistic, unless you have tremendous reach, you probably don't have a lot of leverage. Uh, that's that's just the, the way it is. Uh, without without reach, you don't have leverage. Now, if you're dealing with something very niche, uh, something very specialized, um, you know, uniquely tied in some ways to the content of your podcast then it might make some sense. Uh, it might make some sense. We have that relationship with one of our sponsors. We have, One of our sponsors on the podcast I do is a, uh, a social media analytics platform called BuzzSumo. And we have that relationship with them where they actually talk about our show and promote us as well. But we didn't get that until we had driven about 150 grand in business to them. So, leverage. And podcasting is a small space. It's... You're not going to start out uh, being able to, to wield the, the big stick that you would like to wield, but you will get there if you keep at it. I mean, we've been at it for three years, and it's taken us that long to have steady sponsorship. Yeah.
2: Very podcasting one-on-one question. Let's say
0: I want to start out with a podcast. What should I be looking at? What are the important things? Ah. Uh, I'm, uh, so I'm not going to talk about equipment. I'm not going to talk about hosting. Uh, I'm going to talk about the theory of the firm. The theory of the firm is what does your podcast stand for? Why are you doing it? Why should it come from you and not someone else? What is your domain of authority here? Are you able to produce an entertainment? Right. The theory of the firm to me is sort of the marketing underpinning of any podcast, commercial or non-commercial, is are you doing it just to do one? Are you doing it and I'm not suggesting you are. Uh, but, but what is the point of the podcast? Is it going to accomplish a specific goal, whether from a commercial standpoint, an entertainment standpoint, a cultural standpoint, uh, and not just to do a show? I have to tell you, in my 12 years of covering podcasting and listening to podcasts, there are a lot of really bad podcasts. That's just the way it is. And it is, it is no longer enough to be a subject matter expert to pull off a great podcast. There are a lot of podcasts out there where they are, they are subject matter experts. They follow a typical format. Two hosts and, and a guest every week. Something like that. Um, and there's just there are a lot of those shows. There are lots and lots of those shows. So in order to cut through, it also has to be a compelling entertainment. So what I suggest you do, and I've given this advice a number of times, is to do, to do four or five shows. Don't put them out there. Do four or five shows. Put them under your bed. Play them for people you trust. Play them for people who have a discerning opinion. For people who will give you an honest critique, and take that criticism. Do that before you ever post something online. That none of that material is wasted. You can go back and do those shows, those topics again. But a, a podcast is a different is a different beast than a than a, than a broadcast, and I think it has to be tested in that way and consumed in the way that a podcast typically is in a more private environment. Once you have gotten past that, then then it's it's time to build an audience. And that's really, really difficult to do, building an audience. Uh, people have often ask me how I was able to get so many followers on Twitter, and I always tell them the same thing. Step one, I did it 10 years ago. It just takes It just takes a long time. And so podcasting is... Because you don't have that built-in megaphone, you don't have that built-in flamethrower being on the airwaves, it's going to take some time to develop a show. If you're planning on getting sponsors, it's going to take a while, unless you have a built-in audience. The success of a lot of uh, the podcasts in the U.S. that have done well have been from people that already had built-in audiences, people that knew how to build an audience. And what the podcast becomes then, if you have an audience of 100,000 and 5,000 to listen to that podcast. That's wonderful because what you have done is you have self-selected those 5,000 most passionate people about you and your content, and they have come for that deeper, more intimate relationship with you than they get from your your blog or your broadcast content. And so they should be rewarded in that way with a more intimate, more uh, closely tied to who you are as a person and, and what your beliefs and standpoints are. Uh, and that's Those are the ones that do really well. So, and the other thing I would, and I'm happy to talk technical things as well. um, Host your own content. You could put it anywhere you want. You want as many distribution avenues as you want, but don't just put it on SoundCloud. Uh, Host your own content. Put it out there in any channel possible But make sure it it ultimately, it lies on a server that you control somehow. So,
1: if I can maybe yeah. follow up on that,
2: um, even though we are in the midst of a change, right, the majority of our audiences, I would say, aren't used to podcasting, they are very much used to broadcasts, like kind of live radio elements. What can we, as content creators who want to podcasting, do both content wise and marketing wise to take that audience?
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, th- I'm going to ask a really stupid question because I'm not a smart man. Are all of you in radio? Raise your hand if you are. Just a All right, so not all of you are in radio. All right. So for those of you that are in radio, you have an enormous built-in advantage, which is to promote using your airwaves. That's the number one key to success for podcasts that are associated with broadcast properties in the United States and in Britain and in Sweden and some of the other countries where podcasting has really grown fast. Um. But you also need to give people a reason to do it. It's not just, hey, listen to our podcast. That's like, hey, go home and build a model ship. Why would I do that? What's the reason why I would listen to a podcast? And if you, if you are in the broadcast business, there are a number of reasons, I think, that make sense. Reason number one is to hear what was left on the cutting room floor. To hear what we couldn't play on the air. That's a very compelling part. Here's what we couldn't do on the air. It doesn't have to be anything nasty. Uh, But it's just, for whatever reason, it's content that you chose not to broadcast. But it's a compelling hook, especially if you have a personality that people are attached to. Here's the behind the scenes of the making of. Um, It can also be more in-depth discussion of something you didn't have time to do. I know a lot of the, the radio stations I've listened to might have an hour program about a thing. That hour program about a thing could also be used to promote Another hour podcast with a deeper discussion of this angle of the issue, and it's a way to extend your audience. It's a way to build that relationship. Uh, so that's that is certainly a big part of it. The other thing to do, though, is one of the challenges for, and you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. One of the challenges for streaming and internet-delivered uh, radio in this continent is infrastructure, bandwidth charges, and things like that. Podcasting. Is a wonderful way to get around that. If you can train people to look next week, the next time you're on Wi-Fi, download these shows, subscribe, and the next time you're on Wi-Fi, they will automatically download. That way, there's no there's no bandwidth being used necessarily. There's no unlimited data required. There's no paper use data required. If you can train people, and everybody's in range of Wi-Fi at least once a week, I have to assume you know, most. Uh, and that's again if you can train people this is what the podcast is for this is why to use it this is how to use it that's all part of it it's not just hey listen to my podcast because that's, that's, it turns out not enough let's go to the back of the room the heretofore not that inquisitive rear of the room
1: I'm just interested in your perspective on where podcasting is uh, going, in a way, sort of from a distribution point of view, because this is, uh, so far, I mean, as the name suggests, has been controlled by Apple a lot, and I know that there's some discussions in Apple about what to do and where the medium
0: goes and that kind of thing. What do you think uh, about that? Uh, Apple's, Apple's dominance of the space is is declining slowly. It's especially not as, it's still important. It's still the largest player in the distribution space, and that will continue for some time. But I'll give you some examples. One of my clients is Podcast One. And Podcast One has a lot of podcasts done by celebrities. So these these are people that already have big following in social. Shaquille O'Neal does a a show there, right? Uh, What Shaquille does, and Shaquille has I don't know how many followers on Twitter, four million. He will tweet that he has a new show, and he'll tweet a link to it. And his followers will just click on that link. They didn't go through Apple at all. um, A lot of the older podcasts, they do go through Apple. Apple is is a crucial part of your distribution strategy. But it's not the gatekeeper, necessarily. You can get around it if you can happen to audiences and followings in other ways. Now, in terms of where I think it's going, I'll give you a, a brain teaser. Or a brain bender or Uh One of my clients is Pandora. You don't have Pandora here, but I'm sure you, a lot of you have heard of Pandora, a big streaming radio player in the U.S. Pandora is now playing podcasts. They have signed an agreement to stream This American Life and Serial, and they're not. That's not the end. They will be doing a lot more of that content as they incorporate more spoken word onto the platform. Spotify is doing the same. Spotify is going to more spoken word content onto the platform so here's my brain vendor if you if you select the podcast uh, if you select pandora and you stream this american life are you listening to a podcast the fact that we have to think about that i think is indicative of where i think the space is going i think eventually podcasting stops becoming its own special snowflake, and it is just about, here's a show. You can get that show, you can stream it, you can listen to it live on the radio as you can with This American Life, you can download it to listen to later, and we may still continue to call that a podcast, but ultimately it's about the show. And I think podcasting, as these distribution channels and as streaming starts to come up more on-demand listening, whether that's really streaming or progressive download technical distinctions that I don't really care much about. I think podcasting will, will cease to be this special snowflake uh, that it is today. Um, and I, to me, podcasting is an awful lot like TiVo. How many of you have heard of TiVo? I just just so I have a level set. Digital video recorder. Something that records television for later. Um, that's all a podcast is, right? It's the ability to listen to the content you want, when you want, at a later time. But we don't call television programs recorded on a TiVo TiVo cast. We call them shows. They're not a special snowflake. So I think podcasting is a unique medium. It is, for course, on-demand listening for, for the ability to suggest a context and an environment for the show to be listened to, and also for the intimate nature of the programming itself. That's special. But I think the, the boundaries between what's a podcast and what isn't are going to get so confusing as to become less relevant as the years go on. And, and just a quick follow-up.
1: So, could you, would you not think that then, I mean, in my mind, a lot of the benefit or big benefit of podcasting also all over the world has been that it has given access uh, to independent producers who otherwise wouldn't be able to um, you know, reach the audience that they've done, etc. Um, do you think then that podcasting then will go more in the direction of more uh, like TV or whatever that is more controlled by bigger players, like that kind of development might actually strangle some of your smaller independent producers?
0: Yeah, sure. I think to be honest, uh, it's. I mean, as more money goes into the space, there's going to be more investment in mainstream content. Uh, That mainstream content will demand a share of ear, to use Edison's term. Um, And there are only so many hours in a day that people will listen to the program. Now, the one thing about podcast listeners, in our share of ear research, we know that uh, people listen to about four hours of audio per day. That's the average, four hours of audio. Podcast listeners listen to six, so they're already attuned to the spoken word. I think one thing that podcasts are doing, and a lot of the compelling content being put into the space is doing, is moving the needle between the balance of music and spoken word terms of the share of ears. Right now, we listen to about 80% music, 20% spoken word. That's ticking a little bit more in the spoken word direction, and podcasts are doing that. Having I mean, said all of that, there are only so many ears. And I think the worst thing you can do with a podcast is to be a tweener, to be in the middle, to be just okay at something that people aren't so passionate about. Because where I, I think there's always going to be a place for the big shows, Shaq's podcast is doing fine. There's always going to be a place for that. Just like there's always going to be a place for you know, the big television shows on TV. And if, you, if that is not you, then, then it's passion that you need to tap into. And it's no different than the blogosphere. It's no different than blogosphere. That. You either have a great, big mainstream site, or you have a compelling, strong voice that, has, that taps into a really passionate community in a really passionate way. And for those of you that do the latter, channel partnerships are the most important thing you can do. Find the influencers in your space, showcase them, feature them, find ways to cross promote each other, even in the most non profit, uh, altruistic things, and build those kind of channel relationships. Because it's very difficult to build an audience. But once they know you're there and you and you are presenting a very passionate, unique viewpoint on something, then you're gonna you're gonna do fine. It's the kind of neither fish nor fowl podcast that will get squeezed out. Has a lot more money goes into the space and a lot more content gets developed. Next question, we have you and then the, then the lady in the front.
1: I get the feeling that uh, podcasts are more impersonal, even though you, you do give you that, um, you do gain a more focused audience, but now, Besides the, the the human voice, how can how, how can one make this more personal isn't live interaction with the audience? Even though it's pre recorded or whatever, but how do we make them up? from your what you're saying, some of the, the human voice is linked to that personal connection, but is there anything else that can actually help make them more personal?
0: Yeah, you know, I've experimented with a few things and a number of people have experimented with a few things to get the voices of listeners on. And I think for a lot of the people in this room, that might be really crucial for the kind of work that you, that you do. Um, you know, One thing that, that I've experimented with is we've used a platform like Blab. I don't know how many of you have used, have used Blab as kind of a live video. People, can, uh, people yeah. can essentially call in on live video and myself and my other host, Mark, will call on them. They'll come on the show and we'll interact with them. That still gets recorded. That still gets recorded, both video and audio. And so you do get that voice. Uh, some podcasts, I know, have a, a voicemail line. And they will you know, take voicemail messages to feedback during the week and get the voices to produce, perhaps, voices of listeners on the next podcast. And I think that's really important, too. But, uh, you know, ultimately, Facebook is eating the world. And Facebook, a Facebook page is a wonderful place to have that, those kinds of interactions, even if it's not someone's voice. Um, I think a Facebook page is, is a real key for that, and it's, you know, we will sometimes reference listeners who write in, and so that way people know that we are we are listening, that we are reading those things, uh, and that we're responding to them. So I think that's that's really important. Um, but the other thing I will say, and this may or may not be popular, is in some rooms that I speak. This is an unpopular opinion. I suspect this might be more popular in a room full of radio people, Uh, and that is to to really produce your show, really produce your show, really care about sound quality, really care about going back and and editing what you have done to to remove the dead air, to remove the you know make it as as smooth and as polished as you can. I don't, I don't want you to over-polish it, but keep in mind if you are doing a podcast. What's your competition? Is. And that's not the competition in your niche. That's not the competition in your field. It is the comp- it's the competition for ear space, for share of ear, right? If I listen to a few hours of podcasts a day, and I know at least some of that is going to be spent listening to Radiolab and This American Life, I'm not saying you're competing with Radiolab, but you're competing with Radiolab. So, produce it. Yes.
2: I'm the person flying the flag for a news bulletin at a commercial radio station. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting with that oxymoron of, don't you just want to play a song and just skip the news sort of thing. But at the same time, news is eating us up in South Africa with everything happening. So I can see how we can do a podcast with our female journalists choosing which uh, bulletproof vest she's going to wear for the local elections coming up and preparing them today. But how do I get that? at a commercial radio station without it just being another click as you say on the internet site mm-hmm. is it really then a podcast because they want to know the commercial radio station wants to know where's the What will I see what I'm making out of this and how do I know immediately how many people are listening to it to justify
0: this? Yeah. Well in your case you have the again the the built in advantage of having your own your own megaphone, your own transmitter. So that at the end of a short news break that you get to do in a music block you can say for more in-depth reporting on this visit our and it doesn't have to be check out our podcast i don't care how people consume it i don't care if you say visit well, our page that's what i
2: want to ask so yeah is i don't
0: i don't really again i don't care how people consume it if you throw a, a link to an audio file on a page and you just track that through google analytics what else do you need and you can sponsor that. You can say you, know, you can have a sponsor for the you know the continuation of the news break. And that's uh, that's something that your you know, your sales staff might eat up. I don't know. Um, as long as you as you sort of keep it to the, the spirit of what you're doing, I think that's fine. But in terms of you know making it a podcast, a lot of people don't know what a podcast is, and so you can train them without without having to educate. them. You can simply say, for more on this story, check out our embedded reporter's personal take at radio station, short link, whatever, uh, for, for the expanded edition. And then I don't care what you call it, I don't care how they listen to it, you can track it. Uh, let's go, well, will go to you so that we don't run back and forth, and then we'll go all the way in the back. Um This might seem like, it, feels, it almost feels like a, kind of a stage distinction, but has any of your research shown any trend between the naming scheme of the actual podcast and listenership? So, for example, podcast number one versus this podcast and this call, you know, what we're talking about today. Well, um, I mean, I suppose there are search engine optimization implications for starting a new show. If you wanted to start a show called The Marketing Podcast, and it was called The Marketing Podcast. And I wanted to Google the Google for a marketing podcast. suppose you can optimize that, um, but I don't think that's really how it works. I don't really think that's how it works in terms of uh, naming the show like that. I do think it's. I think less generic names are good, but what you are suggesting, you know, in, in, this, in the in the states every year. We would get this big phone book dumped in front of our doorstep, which is the exchanges for our area, right? And there, all the, there, all this advertising stuff in the back called the yellow pages, where businesses would advertise. And for a long time, you would have businesses name themselves things like A1 Limousine, so that they were first listed in limousine. And then somebody else starts a limousine business and they call it A1 Limousine. And then there's A1 Limousine underscore plumber. And that's, that's sort of gaming the system, and that works in the beginning. It doesn't work at the end. So I would say, pick a name you love before I would try to arbitrage uh, the system there. Then just a follow-up question with regards to, say for example, podcast episodes, right? So for example, I'm not quite sure how This American Life labels their podcast, but would you would you rather say, like, This American Life number one, or This American Life number one, and then a little bit of a description about it, like, do you think that uh, a How many of you ever ever saw the television program 24? Some of you, for those who aren't familiar, it was a serial show with uh, Keeper Sutherland as, a, as an agent of some kind, and each show followed on from the lab. The show was eventually cancelled, and it was cancelled because if you lost the plot halfway through, people didn't pick up with it again, and so the audience would decline pretty precipitously, pretty dramatically uh, in the middle of the season and that's sort of my way of saying I would de-emphasize the number you might still have it in there but I think if, if I'm starting a brand new show and you say, it, you know, you're listening to whatever your show is, number 58 I have this sense of loss that worked with Serial because there were only 13 episodes or whatever in season 1 and people could catch up with it uh, but i, I you need to understand that with every podcast, you have a new audience. That's I think the most important thing that you can realize about that. And if you emphasize the fact that, boy, you've got a ways to go to catch up, I think you do yourself a disservice. And I want to go back to the gentleman in the, in the back, because uh, I know we're running out of time. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That sort of follows on from that.
0: How, how often
2: should the show be? Should it? Sh- should it follow linear formats? Same, roughly the same time
0: up every week, roughly the same length every week, or can you say, "Hey, this is a whole new medium. Let's make it up." I don't think you can do the latter. Uh, I think if you have a special occasion, like you've got this incredibly great guest, um, you can. You know, you could choose to break that up, or you could choose to do something special. Consistency is key. Uh, as people, if you are lucky enough to have an audience, invite you. Into between their ears at a, at a regular time, uh, I would choose not to violate that. I would choose to be consistent. I don't care if your podcast is bi-weekly or monthly or 10 minutes or 40 minutes. I would keep it the same every time because it's a listener expectation. And if you violate a listener expectation, you can do it. But you need to have a really good reason. You need to be really special. You know, If you do your show every couple of weeks uh, and you you say, you know what, there's not going to be a show this week because I'm at this incredible conference and instead I'm going to do the show from there and it'll come out a couple days later people will forgive you for that um, but you the sad thing is when you start to drop off audience you'll never know why you won't get letters necessarily so I would try to be consistent I think we've got five minutes a little bit left so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this by the way, go, go ahead
1: um, just to ask uh, speaking on consistency, um, taking a show that's been on the air, perhaps on a small radio station at the like community radio station so, and carrying it over online where you have the website where you say you host it yourself, you have extra content like video and so forth, backing the podcast. Um, how does that work? Do you then continue the, the subject matter of what was on the air to the podcast or do you then um, deepen the content to express views that you otherwise may not have explored on air. How do you then go from from an on-air show that's successful to having a podcast, to Mm -hmm. download the podcast and listen as opposed to tuning in?
0: So uh, I'm not going to be prescriptive about this. You can certainly just put the same thing you had on the air onto a podcast and people will download that on convenience. I will say that that's not taking the most advantage of the medium. And there are there's a, a wide range of things you could, you can do here, but one way to clearly distinguish what you're doing on the air with what your podcast is, what is on the air, is about the story. What is on the air is about the story and how that makes an audience feel. What a podcast could do, it could just play that story. But it, what it also could do is it could give you a deeper connection with the people telling that story. It could give you a deeper connection with the reporters. Discussing that story, it could. It, basically, it's less about the story and more about the people who are sharing that story and engaging with them, engaging with their voices. Because again, between the earbuds, it's a very different experience. You have that opportunity, I'm not being prescriptive about it, but that allows you to a clearly distinguish what you're doing on the air with what you're doing from a podcast perspective, and it also lets you build talent, it lets you build stars, and if there is any. I said in my talk yesterday on uh, the, the computer code that I talked about, I come from the U.S. not to serve as an example, but as a horrible warning. Develop your talent. You develop your talent. A lot of U.S. music stations have become jukeboxes, and you cannot out-jukebox Pandora. And they're figuring that out. Uh, you develop your talent, and if you can find ways to allow your audience to have a more intimate connection with your talent, podcasts are magnificent to then you're building them, you're building them into stars on various platforms uh, and I think that's only going to help you in the years. Okay. Time for a couple, yes you. So as more shows and good shows especially rush into the space um, and as you said Apple's sort of dominance is defining so I, I imagine not as many people are looking at ratings and the rankings on the itunes store uh where are people going to look to um as sort of maybe tastemakers or i don't know podcast djs um where are people looking to for for the next good podcast yeah well uh apple's still there I and mean, apple's still number one so you know it is it's a dicey thing getting into the new and featured part of the apple podcast section um, discovery is still a problem with the media no question about it the apple itunes podcast portal is essentially like a record store or a CD store with one end cap and a giant aisle of shows. And you only see 10 or 20. Uh, And so you need to build it outside of that, without a doubt. And I think, I go back to what I mentioned earlier about channel partnerships. Who is influential in your space? What are the blogs that they're reading? What are the other shows that they're listening to? Uh, You know, I have a a really good friend of mine, Jay Baer, uh, has a number of very successful marketing podcasts and an extraordinarily successful blog called Convince and & Convert, And he runs ads. He, run, he will run ads on other people's shows to build it. So you have to market your marketing, no matter what business you're in, commercial or non-commercial. You ha- can't just rely on your own airwaves. You have to market your marketing. So if you can find those avenues and either develop channel relationships or even just flat out buy spots, uh, you have a chance to expand your audience and give yourself a head start. We buy Facebook advertising for our show, and it it is quadrupled our audience. Quadrupled. Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. hope that was better than some slides.